Hello everybody, how you doing? Hope all is good. Today's conversation is going to be about probably the hardest thing we go through as people, uh, which is losing those that we love. So we're going to talk a little bit today about how we can view death, how we can look at death and this type of loss, um, what grief is, and how we can deal with grief in a way that's healthy and um, in the best way possible, right? Because ultimately, I do think philosophy has definitely helped me deal with grief and loss in my life. And we have a few sources today that I'll suggest you take a closer look at that I hope will be helpful too. So let's get into this conversation. The first thing I think that comes to mind with me is, right, how do we situate ourselves towards death? So we've had a conversation or a number of conversations on the podcast about the stoic idea of memento mori, right? Primarily focusing on remembering in those conversations, at least, that we ourselves are mortal, right? So of course, this also applies to everyone else on earth, right? And what I want to talk about more than the reminder of this reality and the reminder that this is a natural part of life um, is that we don't have to view death as something that's scary or frightening or horrible, right? So for Socrates in the Apology, he is pretty unfazed when he's convicted and condemned to death, right? What he tells the jurors basically is, look, Tomorrow, you guys will wake up, you'll have a regular day. I've been condemned to death, so I go to die tomorrow. Which one of us is better off? We don't know. Right? So basically, he's saying to them, you've condemned me, but not really. And his understanding of death is that it's not something to be disturbed by. He thinks of death as either a long rest, that would be like a sleep, or he thinks of it as some type of afterlife. Right, which is something that we get from a lot of religions that when our physical bodies pass or you know expire in this world, our souls continue to live on. Right. So Socrates again either said either I'm sleeping or my soul will live on in Hades. And for Socrates, as he says, Hades is actually really interesting, or it sounds like it might be very interesting for him. Right. So he's not frightened by this. And sometime after that, we get Epictetus, another ancient Greek philosopher, telling us that quote. Men are disturbed not by things, but by the principles and notions which they form concerning things. Death, for instance, is not terrible, else it would have appeared to be so to Socrates. But the terror consists in our notion of death, that it is terrible. Right. So we don't have to have such a, a frightening image of death. Right. And again, I think a number of religious, um, religious ways of thinking encourage us to not see what occurs after death as something terrible, right? The conception of heaven, for example. So I think we can find comfort in a philosophical understanding of death that either it's a long rest or it's some type of engagement in an afterlife. We can take time to grapple with ourselves, our own meanings, right, around death and see what Epictetus is saying, that we're making a lot of this in our own imagination. And we can change some of that narrative. Right. And we also get another perspective I want to share with you all that we're going to refer to this essay a lot throughout this episode um, is from the School of Life. Once again, I strongly suggest you go on that website, the School of Life. Look at the essays, right? Um, the book of life dot com will direct you to the School of Life and you'll find a, a wide selection of really powerful philosophical essays, some of which are super short. Others are a bit longer. And I think sitting with some of these essays very good idea. Um, so what Debutan offers, again, he, Alan Debutan is a philosopher that founded the School of Life. Um, so what the School of Life and the Book of Life offer 
on this issue um, is ultimately, well, again, we're going to unpack a lot of this today with this essay. Um, but of course, he's saying in this akin to or similar to what Socrates and Epictetus were saying, there's nothing fundamentally wrong when we lose people, right? This is unfortunately a part of what it means to be alive. Okay, it's written, as he says, quote, into the contract of existence. So we shouldn't forget that. And that goes back to the Stoic idea, where we can prepare ourselves for loss with this idea. And I want to focus this episode more on how we can deal with loss when it occurs. Um, But ultimately, once again, similar to what the ancients are telling us here, the school of life tells us, quote, it may be frightening to die. It is not frightening to be dead. The person that we have lost, are, you know, they're at peace, right? We mustn't worry, as um, the School of Life tells us. They are not unhappy. They are properly at peace. They don't need us now. They don't blame us for anything. They're not angry with us. We cannot hurt or disappoint them. They do not resent us for being alive, right? So we can understand this. I think we can apply it, and we can hopefully try to see that this perspective, that this individual we've lost is at peace, right? They're no longer burdened by the troubles of being alive and that that's something we can take solace and we can find peace in. We can, in our grief, find peace in the idea, in the fact that they are themselves also at peace, right? So let's try to maybe re-understand or get a new understanding of what death is. Our loss is something that is painful, definitely, right? And now we're going to talk a little bit about what that pain is and how we can work with that pain. But just because we are in pain as a result of them no longer being with us does not mean that they are in pain. Whereas, again, as philosophy is providing here, as religion provides, whether you believe in life after death or not, right, regardless, the person we've lost is not in pain. They're at peace. And that can, or visiting that idea frequently, can hopefully grant us some peace. Right? So on that note, let's get into figuring out what grief is. Right? So I think grief, and this is something we'll see in a moment too, true grief, authentic grief, especially, you know, strong, let's say strong or powerful grief, only comes as a result of love. Right? So we connect the idea that we've loved somebody and then we've lost them and now we are grieving. So there has to be some beauty in this because it comes from love or having loved and lost, right? So what I think the school of life asks us to consider in a very meaningful way is that grief is a legitimate part of that process of loving and losing, right? They tell us, quote, our ongoing grief is simply the price we pay for having loved, right? And they, they, I think this is a great and really powerful point. We don't need to get over the loss, okay? We don't need to think that there will come a moment where we've totally recovered or forgotten or even a moment where we should try to ignore a legitimate and authentic feeling of grief. We have to learn to live with grief and with loss. And that process will, of course, be painful, but it could also be something beautiful and something positive and something optimistic, right? We shouldn't try to overcome the loss or the fact that we had such a wonderful love 
with somebody, right? As the essay tells us, quote, death is not something we should ever rightly want to overcome. Love is in this sense eternal. So again, a part of that grieving process that we should never try to fully shake or get rid of, a part of that is, once again, a result of love. And not only a result of, it's a way to sustain our love that we have with this person. Although they've passed, we can and should try to do that. And one pathway to that is through gratitude. And the essay uh, titled, When Someone We Love Has Died, which is what I've been talking about from the School of Life, tells us that the person that we've lost would want us to miss them. And at the same time, they would hope for their memory, not simply to be a source of pain. They would hope for us to remember that behind and prior to this pain, there was joy, tenderness, fascination, insight, loyalty, and moments of sheer fun. They would want us, us meaning the person and the people that are still living, to endure. Right? And again, gratitude for the love, the time spent with the person, the relationship. And to do that is to really have gratitude for the grief. Because once again, if grief, if grief is strong, it's only because the love was strong. And that is something that can give our lives a lot of meaning. Right? And when we continue to think about the individual that's passed, to talk about them, to share their stories, right? To try to embody too what they stood for, the goodness that they stood for, to try to live in a way that is similar, to try to live through and with the lessons that they that they gave us, that they showed us, keeps them alive in a very meaningful way. Right? As this essay tells us, the moment when someone dies is not when their body ceases to exist, but when the last person whose life was touched by them dies. We can, again, pass along to others what we've learned from the person that we've lost. And in so doing, we, we make them immortal in a very meaningful way. Right? The essay tells us, quote, these people, they continue to survive within us. And I would say within us is very significant. And also when we pass it on to others through our ways of acting and speaking, right. And ways of being more broadly, we're keeping them alive, right. The essay tells us, I think wonderfully, we will hear their voice completely clearly and they will advise and console us. Death does not have to rob us of this. They live inside us now. So for me, this is very meaningful. And this has been one way philosophy has helped me, I think, cope with my own losses in life. I still hear and, in a way, talk to and communicate with, you know, within my own mind, of course. Um, for example, my grandfathers still play a very prominent role in my daily life. I still hear them advising me. It's one major way I feel connected to them to this day. Right? I ask myself a lot, like, what would they do in this situation? How can I emulate or how can I model myself after them? That's keeping them alive in a lot of ways, right? For example, whenever I take pride in my work, I really think about my grandfathers. And that's a way for me to have a positive relationship to the love that we shared and the lessons they taught me. And it's a way of grieving that isn't only connected to the pain. Right? And even when there is a moment of pain, and as we said, right, we don't have to fight that. We don't have to get over it. That's not a healthy way to look at things, right? And we can look to philosophy for this idea, right? A lot of, um, a lot of what we get from this too can come from culture, right? Um, you can think about traditions in various cultures that ask the living to communicate with those who have passed away in a meaningful way, right? For example, this is just irony that I'm 
recording this now, and I recently saw a really great movie called The Farewell. And it talks about mortality and family and loss and preparing for loss in Chinese culture. And there's a really great scene where they go to um, the cemetery and they leave. It's a part of a cultural tradition to leave foods that the person who passed away enjoyed and kind of have a conversation with them, with the family and visit them. And I think we could do that in a physical sense. And we could also do that in a spiritual, more philosophical sense in in, in the way or in a way of just sort of sitting and meditating. Right. It's a way to have a greater sense of control over the narrative that we should perpetuate, that we should continue between us and this person, right? That that we shared love with. And that that can help us endure, right? And it's not an attack on love to endure and to love again. Love wants what's good for the other. Love wants there to be more love. This is another great line from the essay. Okay, the, the person that we've lost will follow us through the rest of our lives, and no one can separate us from them. We miss them so much, and yet they are still here. And we can cultivate the sense that they are still here by not simply trying to get over our pain or ignoring our grief, but instead engaging with our grief in a, in a way, again, like one, the one I just mentioned a moment ago from the movie The Farewell, that brings us closer together with those who are still living, those who are still with us, and those that we love and that are also grieving. Right, in ways that can help us think about what was so great about those relationships. And from those conversations, we can work to develop ourselves. Right, We can learn to grow and develop in the ways that we love ourselves and love others in a way that would make those that we've lost proud and happy. Right, We can do that in ways that they would encourage. Right, So I think grief can be a very powerful emotion because it's connected to love. And because love is inevitably connected to loss. But what this essay, when someone we love has died, tells us, among a few other things, is that to grieve is natural and it's necessary and it doesn't have to be entirely painful and it doesn't have to be unhealthy. Right? Confronting death and especially the loss of someone else is surreal. It can feel very odd. Our lives have changed, our lives have shifted. Right? What we shouldn't do, once again, is rob grief of its legitimacy and try to get over it. What we can do instead is cultivate gratitude for the person and for the relationship and try to live in a way and feel in a way and be in a way that would make them happy and proud for us, right? And by acting and living and speaking in this way, and by you know, even having conversations in our minds with them and then acting, um, acting on the beliefs the values that they had in life, we keep them alive and that's meaningful too. And in the movie, The Farewell, once again, they talk about, or they display a tradition that I think, again, another one comes to mind, we think about the day of the dead, right? In Mexican culture, it's a way of communicating, of connecting and keeping memories alive. And that's a very meaningful and important experience. Not only does it give us a sense of peace as individuals, but it brings us together with others. All of that is healthy for a good type of grieving, right? And I think another interesting question, right? So we've talked about grief and its importance and we have to walk alongside it and we can and we should strive to do that in a way that's healthy and honest. I think another aspect of this is the question, you know, when we're grieving, how can we feel good? So of course we've talked about how we can feel good in relationship to the grief, 
but how can we feel good disconnected from grief? Because I think I can think of examples in my personal life of individuals who are consumed by grief such that, one, they, they don't really have a positive relationship, again, maybe through the pathway of gratitude to their grief. And they basically succumb to the grief such that their whole life becomes about mourning. Right. And they don't see any goodness in that grief. They don't see really or they seemingly at least don't see any goodness outside of the grief. They start to grieve as if they have a moral obligation to only feel bad. And I think this is something we should try to avoid. Right. Again, we've talked a lot about throughout different conversations, the importance of balance. Right. You don't want to be excessive and you don't want to be deficient. You don't want to grieve too little. That's unhealthy, right? You don't want to grieve too much or for too long a time, right? Because one, as we have in this essay we talked about already, the person we loved would not want us to live that way. They loved us. They'd want us to endure and move on and love other people, love ourselves and be happy and see the goodness in the world. Because what we had with them when they were in the world was something good, right? So I think the first thing we want to avoid that may happen is we don't want to feel bad about feeling good. So by that, I mean, we don't want to feel bad about feeling good about something that is disconnected or seemingly disconnected from the loss. We can and should still enjoy things in life. We shouldn't cut ourselves off from that, right? So don't feel bad about feeling good. The next one is, I would say, don't feel bad about feeling bad. More connected to our first part of this discussion But grief will hit you, right? Maybe you're feeling good that day and you'll hear a song or you'll even smell something or maybe you'll drive past a certain part of um, the neighborhood the person used to live in and grief or a moment of grief will hit you. Don't make yourself feel bad about having that pain during a day where things might have been generally very quote unquote, let's say, quote unquote, good that day. You're having a good day. A little bit of grief hits you and you feel bad about feeling bad. Don't do that either. Again, once once we get used to philosophy, we can look at emotions. We can look at our, quote, passions and examine them. So do that. Right? What reminded me of this person? Again, and how can I see this as something to be grateful for? How can I see that this pain is teaching me something instead of making yourself feel bad for feeling bad? Right, so that's a couple suggestions. I would also say... Taking things day by day is a really meaningful way to look at grief, right? We're going to be in a state of grieving, of course. Don't overwhelm yourself by worrying too much about next month or next year. Focus on getting through the day and, once again, noticing the goodness that that day can offer. Right? A part of the idea that we, you know, we shouldn't feel bad about feeling good is also that we should open ourselves up, once again, consciously with an effort to see the beautiful and good things every day. We shouldn't close ourselves off to that, right? So open ourselves up to this idea that today can offer me something good. Don't feel bad about that. And then take it day by day so we can actually see those things clearly. The next episode I'll post will likely be about taking it day by day. There's a great essay, once again, from from the School of Life and the Book of Life that I want to share with all of you. Um, And I think that this works well, for how should we grieve? And how can we find the goodness in life when we're in a state of, of grieving, right? After, after a loss. 
So taking it day by day is a great way to not get overwhelmed and to not put too much pressure on ourselves, right? And then part of that is to open ourselves up to what is good today. What can we be grateful for today? Another suggestion, and this kind of goes with don't feel bad for feeling bad, we have to learn how to not fight with our negative emotions. Right? I think literally imagining yourself walking alongside your negative emotions, your fears, your grief is a very healthy thing to do. Right? Especially because, as we've talked about, you're not trying to overcome the grief. You're not trying to conquer the grief. One of the attributes of someone passing is that that is to a degree, right, in the physical sense of them being with us, it's permanent. So we have to establish a healthy, permanent relationship with our own impermanence and with the impermanence of others. So we should strive to walk alongside our pain, our grief. And as we've been saying this whole episode, see that it's not just pain. See that it's also love. See that it's also gratitude. There's also positive memories. And when we do that, we can actually walk with our pain, not try to confront it in an aggressive way where we're trying to conquer it. The goal might not be to conquer the pain, but the goal I think should be to not get conquered by it either. So it's about establishing a healthy, balanced relationship, right? Where we're not fighting, we're walking alongside. And the way to not succumb to the grief, once again, is I think, you know, to implement some of these suggestions, right? Um, Another one I think that we could work on aside from seeing the beautiful things, and we could really make that into a daily writing practice too, um, is to try something new, right? So maybe, you know, maybe we've lost somebody and we're trying to fill a void in our lives. And again, we'll never be able to fill that void exactly, ever. We have to make peace with that. That being said, I think a very interesting definition of grief that we get from a writer named Jamie Anderson is that grief is just love with no place to go. So maybe we have to find a way, a new way to redirect some of that love. Again, we've lost somebody that we've loved. We can't interact with them in the way we used to. Part of that is making new ways to interact, as we sort of discussed. But we can also find entirely new ways to express our love for ourselves, those around us, our loved ones, and even the world more broadly as we've discussed in other episodes, that can make us and help us feel better, right? So maybe it's about volunteering. Maybe it's about a new, as we discussed, a new self-love practice. Maybe it's about making sure that we interact in, let's say, more meaningful or we interact more frequently with the people in our lives who are still here that we love, right? So how do we not necessarily once again, abandon our grief, live with our grief, have a healthy relationship to it. And also how do we maybe introduce a new direction for the love that we feel like we've lost? I think one example of this that once again, kind of ironically, I was talking to a friend of mine recently who's, um, who was reflecting on one of their losses in life. And it was the leader of their youth group from their church. So this is a person who played a large role in their in their childhood, a large role helping them grow up. They were, you know, going to youth group twice a week. They were really involved with the other sort of, um, let's say, like we went on trips. They did plays. So it was it was a large part of their childhood, a large part of their teenage years. 
um, and they've stayed involved. And when this person passed away, not only did they stay involved, involved, but they stepped up and they are now the leader of the same youth group. And when I talk to them about this, they really seem to connect to the youth group and helping the kids in a way that's super meaningful. Not only because, of course, that's admirable, noble, and good work, but it's a way for them to engage with the memory of this person who helped them so much by sort of paying it forward. Right. So that, that really, I think, goes to this quote of giving our love some place to go. This person, when they were leading the youth group, um, and my friend was a kid, was almost in a way teaching them how to lead the youth group. That's how close they were. Right. So when the person passed, my friend stepped into this role and it's been really meaningful for them. And it's helped them grieve for this loss in a, in a really healthy way. They don't avoid the grief every every year. When the person, you know, um, every year on the day when the person passed, they now have a community to share this pain with. And they have a community that didn't even know this person, but now they do. Right. So all the younger kids who weren't in group before the person passed, the memory of this person is kept alive vividly on a weekly basis with their activities. And then when they sort of, you know, I'm going to use the word to celebrate, when they celebrate this person's life on the day when they passed. It's just, it was really interesting and um, moving to see how they come together and uh, share the pain, but also share the love that this person had for the, for the youth group. So my friend stepping into that role has really been a healthy way for them to grieve. And I think is an example of, again, how we can redirect our love as a result of having lost somebody in a positive way to serve others. And in so doing, help ourselves have a healthy, loving sense of grief. So I hope some of these ideas were helpful. Again, it's a very, very hard, difficult thing to deal with. I do think philosophy can help us reevaluate how we see death. It can help us reevaluate maybe and work on healthy ways of seeing grief and give us some practices and some ideas on how we can start feeling good. Because once again, the person that we've lost loved us. They would want us to live well. Hope this is helpful. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon.